Hello and welcome to this Meetings Today podcast. We're here on uh, day one, really, of uh, IMAX America on the ex- uh, exhibition floor in the press center talking to uh, Gerardo uh, Tejado, General Manager for Meetings and Events for American Express Meetings and Events, as well as um, Amanda Shamab, Marketing Manager for uh, American Express Meetings and Events. Uh, thanks for joining us. Yeah, Thank thanks. you. Thanks. And um, this is like uh, every year, it's like Christmas, I look forward to this moment. It's the new Global Meetings and Events uh, forecast, the 2022 Global Meetings and Events forecast this year. Um, Why don't you tell, uh, you know, either one of you, uh, what are some of the top line items that meeting planners should be aware of? Yeah, sure. So first, very excited to be here in the floor meeting a lot of people and a lot of our peers. I think... The, the, the tagline would be there's optimism and there's a thought for reimagining of the industry. If if you think about what we did, we did a survey of more than 500 uh, meeting planners globally around it and I would say that two-thirds of them believe that the return to pre-pandemic levels would happen in one to two years. Uh, 80% of the meetings going forward will have some type of an in-person component. Uh, budgets are going up uh, across the industry and I think for meeting planners the value of an internal meetings is increasingly recognized so previously probably you thought more about client but now with with co-workers being scattered the new workforce trying to drive culture after everything internal meetings are becoming a a key component of the planning going forward and they are growing the the, uh, internal meetings and small and simple meetings and I would also say that um, there is um, a continued focus obviously on sustainability and DEA and I um, being part of the core planning process no, I think that's what I would take as a top line yeah, and that was better one of my instincts through this whole thing is that some of the first meetings to come back will be these in-person meetings where all of these people haven't seen each other for a year and a half or two years and there'll be new employees onboarded they really won't be familiar or have that in-person experience with the company culture um, and uh, I guess you know maybe I, I would have assumed this would have happened six months ago but the Delta variant came as everyone knows um, but uh, maybe expand on that and uh, and what some of the respondents were saying yeah, so um, the respondents definitely echoed that sentiment that they're ready to get back to, to in-person and with the lead, um, you know, meeting of internal meetings and small and simple meetings, it definitely supports that trend. Um, with scattered workforces, you know, a lot of, there's a lot of talk within our industry experts that we interviewed for the forecast talking about, you know, getting teams together and the value of doing that. Um, one of the other trends that I, I wanted to make sure we talked about was the role of virtual and hybrid because that was something that, you know, we knew that virtual and hybrid was a big deal last year and this time in the forecast we're seeing people talk about what is the role and it's really an enhancer to the meeting or event, not a pandemic necessity, <laughs> if you will. Um, so you don't have to have a virtual component, but it definitely supports you know, if, if there are employees, for example, who aren't ready to meet in person for whatever reason, um, they can join virtually. 
And I really suppose that um, planners have had to up their game or really relearn or even establish a game to even begin with for a virtual and hybrid meetings. I, I noticed in the uh, forecast that you uh, mentioned that planners are looking to leverage the lessons they learned during the pandemic. Uh, maybe expand on that. Well, yeah, they, I would say the first and foremost, the, the first thing around that is that a meeting planner now not only has to be a, an end-to-end logistics expert, but also has to focus on attendee experience, coordinate virtual components, incorporate duty of care. And during the forecast, we also did a couple of other um, special sections, one around meeting, uh, measuring uh, ROI, which is now a new request for meeting planners and the other one is to be ready for anything because you have to be you don't only have to have a plan a but a plan b c and maybe a d one yeah. so i think that's what happened and on the survey we said i would say that um more than two-thirds of the planners uh, believe that they would rate themselves uh eight or higher on a on a 10 10 point scale on their expertise about what they've learned in the past 18 months around managing virtual and hybrid and it's around balancing the balancing act as Amanda said how do you um, enhance the event but at the same time how do you manage when you have a hybrid um, um, component so that you you can understand that both attendees have a similar experience and they can leverage uh, what the end result of the meeting should be and that's interesting. Did they mention um, anything about the, the cost associated with that? Are they concerned about that? I know there's so many different solutions for virtual and hybrid meetings at so many different price points um, and, uh, and depth. Um, what, what is your take on that? Yeah, so they definitely did mention that budgets are going up and that could be you know, the reason why, you know, as we think about, you know, hybrid is not as easy as just putting, you know, teleconferencing on and video streaming. There's a lot more costs related to it. So that's likely why budgets are predicted to go up. Um, also, there have been a lot of challenges with virtual and that came out within the, the survey. You know, planners did say that virtual didn't always meet their needs. Um, it didn't really, they weren't able to get the engagement that they wanted out of a meeting or, you know, really prove the value. So that's that's something that planners are thinking about as they add a hybrid component, a virtual component. How do they do that in a cost-effective way um, and still meet their meeting objectives? Yeah, I would say, I would echo that. The, 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 the two-way engagement is critical for in-person meetings. I think one of the other couple of highlights that, that I took from the survey was the in-person meetings are expected to expand. So instead of maybe 1.7 dates, they're going to 1.8 dates in average. So the virtuals are going are getting shorter. Yeah. Because mm-hmm. what happens is there's some type of fatigue around it. And I know. You really that. you yeah. really need to be able to you know what really focus on it. So so it's kind of almost a tale of two things. One, if you're in person, you really you know what you lost in the past 18 months, so you want to maximize that opportunity in virtual because you're doing it. Now you really need to maximize the time, and and there's a focus on on uh, um, making sure they're quicker so that you get get the end result you know, that you need more right. than anything. In general, though, I mean, they, you think the respondents uh, really echoed or presented uh, an opinion that, say, at least hybrid meetings 
are going to be here to stay in the future? Yeah, so if we, if we look at our data, when we said that 80% of the meetings will have an in-person component, the way, it bre- the way it breaks down is 20% will be virtual, 40% will be hybrid, and 40% will be in-person. So hybrid is here to stay, there's no question about that, because it has some, some clear benefits. Again, you can get a wider reach of yes. participants, people that you would not have considered for some um, uh, events. Um, and it also allows you to maneuver where we are with some of the restrictions. Maybe you do a few regional events instead of one big one, and that can comply with some of the uh, government restrictions that are still in place in some locations. And uh, what do you hear about air travel? I know drive-to meetings were a, a very popular option, and like you said, smaller regional meetings. Um, what is your take on? You know, I know I know a lot of. There's been a lot of uh, challenges that carriers have had recently with Southwest, et cetera. Uh, what are your respondents telling you about uh, air travel uh, in their upcoming uh, in-person meetings? Yeah, I I I, I think as you said, um, air travel. Um, is not a must now in most of the meetings because a lot of the planning now is how can we do regional and have different options. So I think it was around um, around 60% of, of the, the meeting planners believe that there would be a, a grouper component. So it's not all of them, but it's part of it. So I think it's going to grow. And uh, as soon as people feel more comfortable in certain locations, that's going to grow. If you think about it, where do I think that's a bigger impact? Those international meetings that probably at this point in time are still being uh, planned more than executed, no, up to now. But hopefully that will come back. And um, there's also some type of a component around um, group air around making sure that you comply with some of the new, new, new priorities around sustainability. Mm-hmm. So that's another piece that now it's, it, it comes into the puzzle. And another thing that our meeting planners have to consider when they plan an event. And you mentioned sustainability and uh, the uh, sort of uh, the popularity of that is, is holding steady. And uh, I think a lot of people maybe anticipated that might have taken a back seat with all the kind of cataclysmic uh, black swan event of the pandemic we had. But it's holding strong in your eyes. Yeah, I think it, it is holding strong, and more so in some regions, obviously, that than in others, but but that's one of the, the the things we've seen, and that's why American Express GBT kind of uh, signed a deal around uh, sustainable fuel because it's some of the things that our our clients are, are interested in doing. Uh, but I think sustainability is just more than um, the, the 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 conventional thoughts about maybe waste and paper and, and plastic and things like that. There's so many other things that you can do. You can incorporate local culture. You can incorporate local suppliers, and that way you can create a lot of benefits uh, on that front that can benefit um, the destination and the end users and the sustainability goals that you have. And I think you mentioned like diversity and inclusion are uh, top of mind too. Uh, and what what is your findings on that? Uh, so so it's it's becoming more of a of a request from. Um, the, the, the corporations about making sure you do it. You include diversity, equity, and inclusion, and you see it in two fronts. From a program perspective, you want to be able to include more supply, more diverse suppliers. And from an event perspective, what you want to do is make sure that you have speakers, for example, that relate 
to the uh, uh, participants that you have in a meeting. Uh, so I think there's a lot of, of, of thoughts around how can we make sure that we have the right speakers for the right audience and, and we drive the, the values that the companies want to show. And also making sure that content is accessible, so translation, all of that, and also you know wheelchair accessible. So it's really beyond um, what you would normally think about even putting pronouns on um, on your badge. That's one of the ways that our survey respondents you know plan to incorporate diversity, equity, and inclusion. Well, uh, thanks for joining us, and you know, maybe just one last question. Uh, was there anything that was like really surprising to you in this uh, iteration of the survey? And Gerardo, I mean, uh, you know, you've been doing this for a long time. What sort of, uh, how has this whole pandemic era uh, changed your worldview of meetings just in your own mind? Well, I mean, from a surprise perspective, I would say there's there was an optimism because we actually did this during the June-July timeline. So, so even at that point in time, two-thirds of our participants already had meet, in-person meetings planned. So I think we everybody thought that Delta was going to delay some things, and that happened more in the in the U.S. than in Europe. In Europe, we did not see that um, delay from an from a meetings perspective on that front. Uh, so I think that was one of the key learnings. I think the other one for us is that there's a, a, a focus again on the value of in-person meetings. So some other parts of business travel might change, but the people, because they didn't have it, they revalued how important it is to go meet in person, have these type of conversations, either for internal meetings or external meetings. So we do see, um, when people start feeling comfortable, participation levels are very high. So we're excited about that piece. And uh, and then, what have you? What lessons have you learned? And uh, how has this kind of reset your mind frame just about the whole business and and how you need to proceed in the future? So I think two things. One is you have to have, as we said in one of the special sections, you have to have plan A, B, C, and D because you don't know what's going to end up happening and you might need to do all virtual, you might need to do regionals and that goes all the way to the day before the, the, the event. So I think that's, that's critical. Um, and the other piece around making sure that you take care of your attendees. I think that's the other key part around it. Maybe it was more around what we wanted, what was the, the end game that you wanted to share with your participants. Now it's a balance around what you want to share, but also making sure that your participants are taking care of themselves, but also leverage the, the knowledge that you're trying to share with them. So that's what I would say. Yeah, absolutely. I think attendee wellness, that was something that would, that really shined through in the survey responses, you know, making sure that we're focusing on attendees as individuals, not as a collection, <laughs> as a registration list. So, you know, doing things like making sure everyone's comfortable, um, making sure, you know, in some meetings having wrist badges to say your comfort level, and really understanding the individual attendees. Um, one of our other um, thought leadership papers that we just announced too, that's featured in the forecast, is our new ecosystem of um, attendee personas. And so we, we target, you know, we have 13 different personas and ranging from extra cautious, someone who might be really nervous about attending an in-person event, all the way through, you know, virtual attendee who might be multitasking. 
Um, so really, you know, trying to understand your attendees, understand who's coming to your meeting virtually, in person, and getting into their heads to figure out what would be the best experience and, and the healthiest experience for each one. Well, great. Well, thanks for joining us, uh, Amanda and uh, Gerardo. Thank you very much. Thank yeah, you. Thanks for having us. And that was uh, Gerardo Tejado, um, Senior Vice President of uh, Meetings uh, and Events uh, with um, American Express Global Business Travel and uh, Amanda Shamov, Marketing Manager. Um, thanks for joining us for this Meetings Today podcast. And um, we should, uh, by the time this gets published on our website, have the report for you to view and some uh, great uh, infographics that, um, uh, that American Express Global Business Travel has created. They're very interesting to help illustrate this. So thanks for joining us, and um, thank you for listening to this Meetings Today podcast. Um, head on over to meetingstoday.com and check out our podcast section for all sorts of other broadcasts with uh, industry thought leaders. Um, thank you for joining us um, from the floor of IMAX America 2021. I'm signing off.